Good morning, good morning, good morning, everyone. Good Sunday morning. Today is another, another good day because today, as we all know, is another good day that the Lord has made. And I don't know about you, but this is Arthur Pearlie Martin uh, with Biblical Principles for Inner Healing. And I am going to rejoice and be glad that I'm alive and I'm living in this beautiful day that the Lord has made. I don't know about you, but I'm excited about what's next. I'm excited about the good plans that the Lord has for my life again today, because the only thing that God has for us in, in store for us are things that's good and not evil to bless us, to prosper us, and to bring us into great success. How many of you guys believe this? Today, guess what? Because you know I got to know. You already know I got to know because I'm nosy, so I got to know. Are you allowing your will to get in God's way? Don't let your will get in. Don't let what you want get in the way of God's will. I got to drop it up. You know what? We're getting ready to deal with this. We're getting ready to go in on this subject because you know that we got to go on the inside in order to grow and manifest fruit on the outside. The Lord says, if we confess our own faults one to another, we will be made healed. We will be delivered. And I don't know about you, but I, who the sun set free is free indeed. And you guys already know that John 8, 32 is my favorite, one of my favorite scriptures. For Jesus said to his disciples, to those that believe, to those Jews that believe, if you continue in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And guess what? You will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. What is it that the truth sets us free from? The truth, God's truth, sets us free from a devil's lie. How many of you guys know that every area in our lives, whether it's an addiction, a stronghold, a bondage of any kind, it's an area in our life that's attached to a devil's lie. Come on, we're getting ready to reveal, we're getting ready to shine God's light on the, the devil's lies. So we too can be free. Because we are the children of God. So we can walk in the light as he is in the light. How many of you know that the mind is the battleground? So we're getting ready to dig into this subject. So we can pull down these mindset strongholds. Because God, our desire is to fulfill your good desire, Father. And as we come before you this day, we pray, Father. We yield our heart. We yield our will. We surrender our way for your way, Lord. And we say, Lord, not our will. But let your will be done this day, today, and every day. In Jesus' name, we pray. We're getting ready to dig into it right now. I'm going to talk to you about Jonah. I, I, you know, I want to ask the question, are you allowing your will to override God's will? You know, we do that sometimes. We do it. We do it. We do it. Lord, forgive us. We repent right now. We want to talk about Jonah. We're going to look at some examples of what it is that we're talking about. How many of you know that the word of God there, it will interpret itself, right? <laughs> so let's look at Jonah. We're going to start from Jonah 1 because we know that Jonah allowed his will to override God's will. Because when we want what we want, then and we do what we want rather than what God wants. <laughs> That's when we will allow our will to override God's will. How many of you got, how many of you got the, I won't, I won't, I won't. I, you know, I hear people say that sometimes I won't, I won't. And I'm thinking, wow, we, that must be nice to get to do what you want. <laughs> but Jesus said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? Hold on. You know, there is no condemnation. The purpose of this podcast is for inner healing, deliverance, so we can grow from faith to faith. How many of you know we got to know something to grow? To grow from faith to faith and glory to glory, we got to know. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And I don't know about you, but when God is chastising me, all that it means to me is that God is loving on me. So we're getting ready to uh, dig in, uproot, and expose. Okay, Jonah said, now the word of the Lord came to Jonah. We're on Jonah 1. I'm reading English Standard Version. Um, now the word of the Lord came to Jonah. The Excuse me. One moment. One moment. Let me turn this off so we don't have any interruptions. Okay. Okay. Hold on. Wait a minute. Hold on, wait one second. 
But I want you guys, while we're sitting here doing this real quick, I want you guys to think about the question. Are you allowing your will to override God's will? Because when we allow our will to override God's will, what we're doing is we're resisting God. And and God said, I'm going to resist the proud, but I'm going to give grace to those that will humble themselves unto me. How many of you know that we cannot walk with the devil and resist the devil at the same time? And how many of you know that every time we say yes to God's will, we're saying no to the devil's will? I don't know about you, but... I like to say, guess what? We need to rebel against hell. How many of you know that we need to rebel against hell? <laughs> yeah, we got to rebel against hell. But I'm, I'm going to see if I can get through this, okay? Jonah 1. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amnitiah, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come upon come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to tarnish with the presence of the Lord from the presence of the Lord. Okay, so here we see the Lord told Jonah to go to Nineveh, the great city, and call out against it. He said, because for their evil has come up before me. He was telling Jonah, I need you to go here to these people. How many of you know that God will send you to a certain people group sometimes? So he said, I need you to go to these people because their evil has come up against me. I need, in other words, I need these people to repent. And I need to go, I need for you to go and tell them the truth so they can repent. Here we are talking about how the truth is getting ready to set these people free. So God gave Jonah a word to go to Nineveh um, because their sins had come up before the Lord. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarnish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarnish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to tarnish away from the presence of the Lord. <laughs> How many of us, you know what? When we're not doing what God say do, we're, we too, like Jonah, is trying to run from the presence of the Lord. But how many of you know that God is omnipresent and he's omnipotent? He's everywhere at the same time and he, he knows every single thing, okay? So trying to run from God is like trying to run from the sky. How many of you know the sky is everywhere we go, right? <laughs> God is everywhere, and when we don't want to do what God say do, like Jonah, we too run from the presence of God. We too run from the call of God. This was a mandate. This was a call. This was something God said, look here, Jonah, this is what I'm telling you to do. You don't get to do. How many of you know that when we try to do what we want to do, <laughs> like Jonah, we're running too. <laughs> Then hold on. You know there's no condemnation. There's no condemnation. Hold on. Let let's 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 come on. Let's sup fellowship. Let's get through this together, okay? Promise me you won't run when correction comes. Because this is all working together for our good. We have to deal. You know, I know we're used to the outside. You know, you know, we all dressed up on the outside. Jesus told the Pharisees, the cup looks clean, good on the outside. But I'm telling you, on the inside, God, how many of you know that God say, man, look at the outside, but he looks at the inside. He looks at the heart of the man. So I don't know about you. But my my heart cry is, Lord, um, everything in me does not like you. I need you to tell, show me me, Lord, so I can be free. You know, um, because it's, when our heart is right and our motives are pure, then that makes our actions right and that makes our actions pure. How many of you guys know that? I don't know about you, but I want to have a clean heart. I want to have a pure heart. I want my motives to be God's motive. I want my ways to be God's way because I don't know about you, but I'm so convinced, like I always say, that my way was the wrong way that I don't want my way anymore. Here I am, Lord. It's me, Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Is that your is that your prayer? Is that your heart cry? I hope so. But I'm gonna see if I can get through this, okay? But the Lord heard a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. Uh-oh. Then the marinas were afraid and each cried out to his God, and they hurtled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had laid down and was fast asleep. Oh, my gosh. Now, he done brought all this drama into these people's lives because of his own rebellion. Do you have people in your life that's causing, brought, who has brought a lot of drama into your life because they're re- trying to run from God, so to speak, because they're in rebellion towards God? You know, Proverbs say, we, if we'll put the one that's causing the strife and the contention out, then the, then the strife and the contention will leave. 
Be careful of who you attach yourself to. Be careful who you allow in your inner circle. Because the devil will send people in on an assignment to steal your peace, to trouble your peace, to bring a bunch of drama, strife, and confusion. So here, Code Jonah, living a lifestyle of rebellion on the run from God, and he brings all this drama into these people's lives. He's down there sleeping in the midst of his mess. You know why he was able to sleep in the midst of his mess? Because his heart was hard. That's a dangerous place to be. You know, the word of God tells us, he says, harden not your heart. Because a hardened heart, it don't feel nothing. That's how he was able to sleep. That's how somebody's able to preach on Sunday and live any kind of way on Monday. Hold, hold on, hold on, wait a minute. You know, I I used to wonder that when, you know, I was a baby in the Lord and and I just didn't understand some of the things I know now. And I used to say, Lord, and then you would hear of people falling in the faith and backsliding. And not that none of us have arrived because we're not perfect. But I used to wonder, how is it that they can preach it, but they can't live it? Oh, Lord Jesus, did I say that? Lord Jesus. Well, the Lord said, because they don't know me. You know, how many of you know that with our lips, we can worship the Lord? He said, you you worship me with your lips, but your heart is so far from me. There's no condemnation. Just let the anointing that's on this word, just let this anointing destroy the yoke that's on your life. I'm gonna let, I don't know about you, but I'm going to let the anointing that's on this word destroy the yokes that's on my life. Because the anointing, it destroys the yokes that the enemy puts on us. Here I am, Lord. Show me me. Is that your heart cry? Here I am, Lord. Show me me. Because when our lifestyle is contrary to who God is, then like Jonah, we too are running from the presence of the Lord. And sometimes at night we can't figure out why we can't sleep. (laughs) How many of you know that sleep comes from the Lord? He promised us sweet sleep, the Bible tells us. He promised us sweet sleep. And there, I think God don't have a problem with sleep, but when he does wake me up like this morning at 2 o'clock in the morning, I know that I'm up because it's something he want to talk about. So when I'm woke at 2 o'clock in the morning, it's not an inconvenience because I thank God for waking me up. And I just say, here I am, Lord, what is it? What you want to talk about? Well, he's been talking to me about this for, for for a week or so now. Are you allowing your will to override God's will? Here we see Jonah. The Lord told him to go to Nineveh. But Jonah wanted to do what he wanted to do. And he got in a ship and he went to Tarnish. Then he went to the bottom of the ship and he went to sleep. But everything all hell around him It was breaking up. It was a mess. Everything around him was a mess. But he was able to sleep in the middle of that mess. But he brought all that with him because the presence of the Lord was against him. How many of you know that God says, I did a video on uh, YouTube or my Facebook page and it was asking the question, is God resisting you? He said, what do you mean? Well, I'm telling you what the word of God says. He says, for God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. There's no condemnation, but we have to deal with the real life issues so we can be free free for real. Because how many of you know, just because someone running around the church don't mean they're free. And even when we do get free, we got to know how to stay free. And this is why we got to have the word of God in our lives. Uh, We can't live off of milk. We need some meat. The Bible said that God resists the proud. But he gives grace to those that humble themselves. In other words, James 4 and 6 says, but uh, he gives grace. James 4 and 6. Let's read the NIV. But he gives us more grace That is why scripture says God opposes the proud, but he shows favor to the humble. God gives grace. Let's let's read it from the beginning. 
James 4. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not that that your passions are at war within you? You desire and you do not have. So you murder, you covenant and cannot obtain. So you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your own passions. You adulterous people. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes themselves an enemy of God. Or do you suppose it it is to no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us? But he gives more grace. Therefore, it says God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, um, to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. So God says uh, to be friend with the world is to be an enemy uh, to God. And when we're doing really, when we're doing what we want to do, we're really being friends with the world because um, it's opposite to what God says. When we're living opposite to what God says. Like Jonah, we too are running because we're doing what we want to do. There's no condemnation. This is just a self-check. This is just a checkup. How many of you know that when you get free, that we have to be free before God can use us to help set someone else free? He's going to be the one doing the work. But how many of you know that he says with the same comfort he used to comfort us? Because I don't know about you, but correction is comfort to me. Also, correction is comfort to me because I don't know about you, but I don't feel good when I'm not living like God. Oh, my God. I know because I know what it is to backslide. I know what it is not to do what God say. And I know what it feels like to have his hand heavy on your head. I know what that feels like. That is a terrible feeling. But if we want God's peace, we got to be in God's place. There's no condemnation. I'm just dropping in because I got to ask the question. Are you allowing your will to over God's, override God's will? And if we are, then God is resisting us. That wind, that weather, it was God resisting Jonah. It was a, a wind of resistance. It wasn't helping the boat. It was shaking the boat. <laughs> It was shaking. Sometimes we, sometimes when we allow the wrong people into our lives and they bring all this drama <laughs> and all, it's like all hell is breaking loose and you're like, what in the world? <laughs> and everything just begins to fall apart and it's like nothing is working right. Nothing is going right. Well, it's not just when other people come into our lives. It's when we're... Uh, uh, um, living a lifestyle opposite to God. I won't. Is your wants overriding God's will? I got to know. Because James says, where's all these fighting and this quarreling coming from? Is it not coming from your evil desire just warring against you? You know, it's something that you want. When, when we see that strife, pride causes strife. The Bible says, wherever you see pride, just know that uh, wherever you see strife, know that pride is connected to it. But when we feel ourselves mumbling, grumbling, complaining, and getting angry and getting all upset. One of the things we need to ask, and this is what I do when I feel myself getting all out of place, I say to myself, what is it you want? Because that's what caused the fighting and the quarrel. When we want our way, we can't get what we want. It's going to cause us to feel frustrated, agitated, and just, you know, fussing and fighting and it's all because we're trying to get something that our flesh want how many of you know to be friends with the world is to be enmity against God to, in other words to do what our flesh want is to not do what God wants there's no hold on hold on I'm telling you if you'll sit through this I, I'm telling you if you'll sit through this the power of God is present and the power of God will deliver us and set us free. How many of you know that the word of God is the power of God? In the same way that his word had power to save us is the same way God's has, word has power to change us. If we want to grow from faith to faith, in order to grow, we must be willing to face some real life issues. 
And I don't know about you, but when we're not transparent, we're living a lifestyle of bondage. Who the sun set free is free indeed. How many of you know that the son, Jesus Christ, he came to set us free? He did. But we have to walk in our liberty. I don't know about you, but I want to learn how to live from the inside out so I can bear more fruit. Some of us aren't bearing fruit because we're not being transparent. We're not being real. And so the fruit is plastic. How many of you know we can't eat plastic fruit? Hold on. There is no condemnation. Promise me you won't run when correction comes. Will you promise me that? That you won't run when correction comes. So here was Jonah running from the presence of God. And and all hell was breaking loose around them. These sailors, they thought they were doing something good. And they let this person this rebellious person in on their into their life into their ship onto their boat into their space and just everything began to fall apart and they said to one another come let us cast a lot the lot fell on Jonah and then they began to ask Jonah they said to him tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us what is your occupation because we know what happened. It's like you, everything was calm. Everything was peaceful. Life was good. And then you married the wrong person. Uh, hold on. You dated the wrong person. You know you're a believer. You ain't got no business on a believer. Oh, I said that. You let the wrong person into your life. And everything is just going haywire. First, everything was going good. The blessings of God was on you. But then we here comes Satan. We let him in. And everything around us began to fall apart. And we can't figure out why life ain't working right. There's no condemnation, but I'm here to tell you because I've lived on both sides. And I'm telling you, life don't work right without a relationship with Jesus Christ. And when we're out of fellowship with the Lord, we too, like Jonah, is exhorting what we want above what God wants. And when we do what we want instead of what God wants, Are we a servant of his or are we a servant of ourselves? So God says, you know what? I'm going to resist you every time you go against me. My grace is not going to be for you. My grace is going to be on those who humble themselves and admit those with a heart of surrender and say, Lord, I don't want what I want. I want what you want. Not my will, Lord, but let your will be done. Because in order to have the mantle of God, in order to have the grace of God upon our lives, we have to walk in submission to God. We got to come up under his authority. We have to give up our way. We have to give up our want for God's want. And that's why a lot of times we can't get deli- we can't get delivered from things until we are willing to give up what we want for what God wants. And when we're willing to give up, when we hold our hands up and hold our hearts up and hold our heads up and say, Lord, I surrender. Not my will, Lord, but let your will. That's when the anointing and the grace of God comes on us. And the Holy Spirit, who is our helper, come upon us and deliver us, help to deliver us from that thing. Because God is love. He won't override our will. He's not going to take cigarettes because he don't smoke. Oh, did I say that? Yep, I'm sorry. I said it. Um, what we have to do is like, Lord, I surrender. You remember when Jesus was in the uh, Garden of Gethsemane? I don't know about you, but I have to go there every day. Because the Garden of Gethsemane represents the place of surrender. It's the place where Jesus said, Father... If there's any other way, because he know he knew what he was going to really have to go through uh, when it, through the crucifixion, he he knew about the canine tails. He felt it. He knew he was a man, y'all. He had a flesh, and he was sitting there in that garden, and he said he was sweating great drops of blood because he knew what he was getting ready to have to encounter. He. He was familiar with the pain. He knew what he was going to have to go through. But then he remembered the purpose and his purpose was greater than his pain. And he said, Father, if there's any other way, you know, this if, if it's any other way that we can do this, if, if there's any other way that we can pay for the sins of the world, if, if there's any other way that your people can be saved and they won't have to perish, and if there's any other way that they can have eternal life, let this cup pass from me. 
That's what he was saying when he was saying is if there be any other way. If there's another way other than the crucifixion. If there's another way other than the canine tail. If there's another way other than the cross that's going to be made with thorns for my head. If, if there's any other way of doing this without the sword being pierced in my side. Father, let this cup pass from me. Can you see this? He was a man, y'all. He was a man. He was the son of God, but yet he came in the form of a man. He was the word in the beginning of the word. The word was with God. The word was God. And the man, the word became flesh and it dwelt among men. See, what happened was a man did it. By one man's disobedient Adam, we all became sinners. And by one man's obedience, Christ, we was all made righteous. And so a man did it. So a man had to come unto it. And it was for this purpose that the son of God was made manifest to destroy the works of the devil. And, and if I want to put it in an easier term, what I would say to you is that Jesus came to undo everything that the devil did. But he was in the garden and he didn't want his will to override his father's will. So he said, Father, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. But then he came back and he said, but nevertheless, let your will be done. He knew his flesh was going to have to suffer. And you know what? And that's what we're afraid of. We're afraid to let our flesh suffer. But I don't know about you, but I say let that flesh suffer because the flesh lives in opposite, in opposition to who God is. You know, the apostle Paul talks about this. I believe it's in Romans 5. He said, when I want to do good, evil is always present. So I find it to be true that it's with my mind I serve the law of God. Because, see, we have to renew our mind in order to serve the law of God. But then he said, but it's with my flesh that I serve the law of sin. So I, I, oh, my, I, I begin to realize that it's no longer I that's doing it, but it's the sin that's living in my flesh. Because our flesh is enmity against God. Our flesh is like a spoiled brat kid and it wants what it wants when it won't what it won't. But how many of you know that it's not about us having our way? We we're crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, we live yet not I, but Christ that liveth in me in the life I now live, I live by faith in the son of God. In other words, when Christ died, I died and some of us need to go back and get re- water baptized. This time with a clear understanding and a clear meaning of what it represents and what it means. That when we go under the water, we're identifying with the death of Christ. And and I think that's what I know for a fact. This is what the problem is. We don't see ourselves crucified with Christ. We don't understand that sin no longer has dominion over us. Why is this? In other words, when I say that the Bible says sin no longer has dominion over us. Why is this? Because Jesus conquered it all. Right. He paid for our sins. In other words, we don't have to do it. We're not in debt to our flesh. We're no longer in debt to our flesh. In other words, we don't have to do it because Christ in us is greater than that, than the spirit of the Antichrist. We're crucified with Christ. Dead men no sin. How many of you know that? And when we're dead in the flesh, when we're dead to what our flesh want, when we're willing to, every time we say no to our flesh, we say yes to God. There's no condemnation because we're getting ready. We're not going to just talk about the problem without giving you the solution. But what I'm saying is our flesh is like a spoiled brat kid and it wants what it wants. Isn't that what we're trying to do with our children? We're trying to train our children. To t- we're trying to teach them right from wrong, good from evil. And we're, we're trying to bring their flesh up under submission, saying, no, you're not going to get it. It doesn't matter how much you scream, how much you kick. No means no. We're trying to discipline our children's flesh. Really, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to train their flesh. We're trying to discipline their flesh. And that's what God wants us to do with our flesh, to train our flesh and to discipline our flesh. And the same way we're trying to train, train our children not to do what's right wrong. He wants us to train our flesh not to do what's wrong. 
So when our flesh can't get what it wants, it has these temper tantrums. I want this. And we think because we're a certain age that it's okay to do what we want. This is why Christ says that we need to come to him as a child. For such is the kingdom of God. Unless you come to him as a child, you will not near the kingdom of God. Why is this? Because children know and understand authority. But see, when we become grown, we think that we don't have to abide by the rules. We'll say, we'll cuss and then say, tell the kids, don't you cuss. What in the world? What is, because see, what what that means is, I'm grown. I don't know what that means, but I don't know what does that mean when we say we grown. Oh, so when we get grown, we no longer have to do what what the rules say or when we get grown we get to break the rules or when we get grown we don't have to do what God say and that's why he said I need you to come to me as a child and I need to I need for you to see me as Abba Father because when we see God as Father we'll understand authority mm. so here here, uh, here we have Jonah that's, that's a problem we don't see God as a Father and that's why we're having problems with authority See your child, yourself as a child, because I don't know. I, I, when we was growing up, me and my sister, uh, we didn't get a lot of whoopings, me and Lynn. We didn't get a lot of whoopings because um, my mom, she she would sit us down and she would tell us what the rules were. And and my sister and brother, they would always want to, they want to challenge the rules. So when they would challenge the rules, we would sit back and watch. And my mom would do exactly what she said. She told us, if you do this, I'm going to do that. (laughs) So we had two challengers. They always wanted to take the test. So they would challenge the rules and she would do what she said. And we sat back and I don't know. I sat back and said, "Uh uh-uh, I'm not doing that. I learned obedience, not just from the things I suffered, (laughs) <laughs> but I learned obedience through the things they suffered. How many of you know that the Bible says that Christ learned obedience? How is this? He was perfect. Let's go to that scripture. The Bible says that Christ learned obedience through the things he suffered. Christ learned. Let me pull that scripture up. Christ learned obedience. And I know he's like, well, how is it he learned had to learn obedience? He was perfect. He was sinless. Yes. But he learned obedience because, see, every time he said no to what his flesh want, he said yes to what God want. And he he was disciplining his flesh. So Christ learned obedience. And every time we say no to what our flesh want, we say, and we say yes to what God want, that's how we train our flesh because we're making it obey. We're bringing our flesh up under subjection. We're bringing, excuse me. We're bringing our body up under. So let's, after we've preached to others, the apostle Paul said, I myself won't become a, a castaway. So he says we have to crucify our flesh daily. And how do we crucify our flesh? By telling it no. Same way we tell our kids no. No, I'm going to take your cell phone because you didn't do what I said. We're trying to train their flesh to listen. We're trying to train their flesh to be obedient. So I'm going to take this from you. So next time you do that, you remember what happened. Although the Bible says, um, Hebrews 5 and 8, it says, although he was the son of God, I'm reading the English Standard Version, I believe. Let's see this. Let's start with 7, Hebrews 5 and 7. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. Here he is praying to his father, and he was heard because of his reverence. Oh, my goodness. It says Jesus, in the days of his flesh, when he was in the flesh, man, offered up prayers and supplications to God, his father. And he with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death because he knew his father was able to save him from death. And he was hurt because of his reverence. Oh, my goodness. He was hurt because of his respect. Because of his reverence, it says, although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obeyed him. He became our example because he passed every test, you guys. Jesus really was perfect in all his ways. 
he was sinless. He could have sinned if he wanted to because he had a flesh. But he said, nevertheless, Father, not my will, because see, he had a will. Remember when he was in the garden, he said, um, Lord, if, the, Father, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. His flesh didn't want to do it, y'all. But then he said, nevertheless, not my will, because he had a will, but let your will be done. He surrendered. And how many of you know that every time we say no to the flesh, that's what we're saying. Like Christ, we too are saying, not what my flesh want, Lord. I don't want my want to override your will. And and Jesus, who, who's our example, who's our perfect example, and he's perfect in everything, and he's perfect in all his ways, saying, Lord, uh, not, I'm not going to say that because you said not to say that, and And you said in Colossians that whatever we do in word or deed, that we're supposed to do it as unto the Lord. So even though I don't feel like doing it, and and even though my flesh wants to rebel and be like a spoiled child, I'm going to have to say no to you, flesh. You can't have your way. The same way I tell my child they can't have their way, that's what we got to say to ourselves. No flesh, you won't have your way. No flesh, you're not going to say what you want to say. No flesh, you're not you're not going to do what you want to do. You're going to pray. No flesh, it doesn't matter. You're going to read the word instead of watching. Uh, uh, the same way you spend all those hours watching TV, that's how we're going to spend time with our father. No flesh. Isn't that what we do to our kids? We tell our kids, no TV until you do your work. No TV until you study. We was chastising them. We were disciplining them. We was leading them and guiding them, trying to keep them from doing the wrong thing by telling them what was right. We was teaching them good from evil and right from wrong, right? Because we love our children and we have their best interests at heart. Well, likewise, so does our Heavenly Father. And, you know, he taught me this when I was, uh, when I was writing that book, learning, uh, Exposing the Devil Devices. That whenever God tells us not to do something... It's the same way. It's because he's trying to protect us from the evil one. He's trying to protect us from harm. When God says, don't be unequally yoked with an unbeliever, he's not trying to, uh, he's not trying to take away your fun. He's not trying to take away our fun. When he, he he's telling us, when we read the word and we find the do's and the don'ts, it's not where he's trying to take us away our fun. He's trying to protect us from the evil one. Isn't that what we do with our children? Isn't that what we say? Don't do this. You can do this. Don't drink. Don't drive. Don't drink and drive. Don't, you know, we're trying to protect. Don't, don't overeat. You know, that's not healthy for you. Remember what the doctor said? Well, we're not trying to say those things because we don't like the person or don't care about the person or we don't love ourselves or don't care. No, we're doing those things because we're trying to protect ourselves from the evil one. How many of you know that the Bible says give no place to the devil? So um, we're not ignorant of the devil devices. He was talking about unforgiveness. Therefore, we don't give no place to the devil because we give the devil access into our lives through unforgiveness we know this but we also give the devil access into our lives through rebellion when we're not doing what God asks us to do so God is really just because he sees all and he knows all he's omnipotent he's omnipresent he's a present help in our time of trouble he's already in the trouble before we get in the trouble because he's not confined by time he's outside of time right time is for us so when he's telling us look Flee fornication. Flee. Hold on. Wait a minute. When he's telling us, don't covet. Don't envy. You know, you got to forgive. When he's saying all these things to us, it's not to be mean. It's to protect us from the evil one. Because when we don't forgive, when we hold on to envy, when we do all these things that he tells us not to do, it's giving place to the devil in our lives. And isn't that what you're trying to do? Isn't that what we try to do with our kids? We're trying to keep the devil out of their lives. We're trying to teach them how to make right choices, right? So God is not this big cloud in the sky. Like that was my perception of him. And he had this gaveling because I didn't know God. I didn't know him to acknowledge him. I didn't, you know, I blame God for everything, the good, bad, and the other ugly. And I thought every time I missed it, he had this gaveling and he went pow and smoked just went everywhere. 
That was my perception of God. And the devil was in the red suit with the pitchfork. I didn't, he wasn't real to me. And how many of you know that the devil likes it when we don't believe that he's real? Because Jenny can walk around in our lives undetected. He can use us and we not even know we're being used. We just thinking we got a bad attitude, not realizing that that bad attitude is attached to those negative thoughts that we allow the devil to plant in our mind. And we didn't cast down those evil imaginations and those thoughts that was exalting themselves against the knowledge of God. And therefore, we just sat there and we meditated on it. And then eventually we said what it said to do, say, and we did what it's, you know, what it was telling us to do. But the word of God say, be sober, be alert, because your adversary, the devil, is going about looking for someone to devour. Excuse me. But here we have Jonah, and he's doing what he want to do. Because he's not doing what God told him to do. And so he's rebelling against God. Because he wanted what he wanted. I'm just saying, don't let your want override God's will. We can't let our wants, we can't let what we want override what God wants. Because when we do, we're doing what Jonah did. And then we see Saul on the road to Damascus. Thank God that Jonah, eventually he did surrender. Because I don't know about you, but I know for a fact that life don't work right without uh, Jesus Christ. And when we're out of fellowship with Jesus Christ, our life is like Jonah. It's in a turmoil. And sometimes the things that we call peace is really being passive. (laughs) Are you, is it peace or are you being passive? Because see, Jonah, he went to sleep in the midst of the storm. When everything around him was falling apart, he went to sleep. Because his heart was against God and he didn't feel no conviction. But the people around him, they felt the effect of his rebellion. How many of you know that when people, everybody that's attached to you is going to be affected by what you do in one way or another? And that's why when people go to prison, their family members, be it's like they in there too. Because anybody that loves you is going to be affected by what you do. So let's just think about the choices that we make. I like to say the most miserable people in the world are the selfish people in the world because God never created us to be selfish. He created us to be givers of ourselves to others. And this is the same way spiritually. We have a lot of miserable Christians because we're not doing what he say. And just going to the building is not enough. We actually have to get out and start doing what the word of God says. We have to do what we know. And it's not just inside the building because Christ said, I didn't come for those as well. I came for those as sick. There's no condemnation. This is just a, uh, we're just sitting down and we're supping and we're fellowshipping and uh, we're just digging in the word, seeing what God says. Okay, let's go go back to Jonah. I I wanted to talk about the prophet of Baal and all of them, but I'm not going to get to it. Okay, Jonah 1 and 4, it says, But the Lord sent out a great wind on the seas, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship was about to be broken up. Then the marinos were afraid, and every man cried out to his God and threw the cargo and everything to lighten up the weight. They was trying to get things out of their life. They was trying to get weights out of their lives. They was trying to say, what's causing all of this? Where does this come from, Lord? And you know, that was a good thing because they was checking themselves first. They wasn't trying to blame nobody else. They was thinking, well, maybe it's something that I did. Maybe it's something on the inside of me. Maybe, you know, is there things in your life that you need to throw off the ship? Mm. So the captain came to him and said to him, what do you mean, sleeper? Arise, call on your God. Perhaps your God will consider us so that we may not perish. They saw uh, Jonah down in the bottom of the uh, ship sleeping. And he said, what do you mean, sleeper? Why are you sleeping? You need to be praying just like us. You need to be praying. And you need to be calling out to God. And maybe he'll deliver us and he'll help us. And verse 7, Jonah 1 and 7. And they said to one another, come let us cast lots that we may know Who's, who caused this trouble has come upon us. So they cast lots and the lots fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, please tell us for whose 
cause is the trouble upon us? What is your occupation and where do you come from? What is your country and of what people are you? So he said to them, I'm a Hebrew and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven who made the seas and the dry lands. Then the men were extremely afraid and said to him, why, what have you done? Why have you done this? Why have you done this? Why have you brought, why are you running from the Lord and why, why are you over here? Why did you bring all this rebellion into our lives? Jonah 1 and 10. For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Then they said to him, what shall we do to you that the sea may be calm for us? For the sea was growing more temptuous. It was getting worse. The waves were getting worse. Things around them was just getting worse. What happened? How many of you know that rebellion is equal to the sin of witchcraft? And when we exhort our will above God's will, that's what we're operating in. I know that we thought witchcraft was just voodoo dolls and hoodoo. Why is rebellion equal to the sin of witchcraft? He told, the Lord told King Saul that, remember? Because Saul did what he wanted to do. He exhorted his will above God's will. He told him to kill all the animals, kill everything and don't bring nothing back. But he did not listen. He brought some of the animals back. He said he was going to sacrifice them to God. But for real, it wasn't to God because he wasn't doing what God wanted him to do. He was doing what he wanted to do. And every time, there's no condemnation. But every time we do what we want to do, like Saul, like Jonah, like Baal, Balaam, the prophet Balaam, who was trying to go curse God's people, and he had to use the donkey to speak. Like Saul, who was on the road to Damascus to persecute other Christians. And the Lord said, Saul, why are you kicking against the prick? In other words, why are you fighting against me, Saul? And he interrupted his life. He interrupted Saul's life on the road to Damascus. He interrupted Balaam's life on the road to curse God's people when he made the donkey speak. Here we see him interrupting Jonah's life with the storm. Could it be that God is trying to interrupt your life to keep you from doing the thing that he didn't ask you to do, the thing that will destroy you? Because an angel was going to kill him. Is your life shipwrecked because of you? Is your life, does it feel like everything around you is falling apart? Is it because maybe you're in rebellion towards God or maybe you let someone in your life that's in rebellion towards God? I don't, I don't know. There's, there's no condemnation. I'm just trying to get us to look around to see if we allow what we want to override what God wants. Because when we do, that's rebellion too. And we say, I don't say no to God. Yes, we do. Every time we let our flesh do what it wants, we say no to God. Every time God is saying, you need to get up and read. And we say, no, I want to watch the movie instead. We're saying no to God. Every time God is saying, I need you to get up and pray. And and we don't do what he say. We're saying no to God. There's no condemnation because guess what? Today is another day. And today is another day. See, we can fix this. Because see, today is another day. And we get to do things God's way. Today, God has graced us and his grace and mercy is fresh and new. And today we get to do what he say. There's no condemnation. Just do what he say. Because you know what I tell people? I said, you know, don't be overwhelmed by the big picture because life is just one second, one minute, one moment at a time. And Jesus said, take no thoughts for tomorrow because tomorrow has enough worries of its own. So I just need you to focus on right, like right now because now faith is. And when we do what God say do today, then I've done God's will for my life for that day. It's, it's one day at a time. Jesus said, don't get into tomorrow. We don't even have faith for tomorrow. Because tomorrow has enough worries of its own. We don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. God does, but we don't. Just do what I say today. Focus on what's in front of you. Today, I said, let's pray. Okay? Let's just do it today. And all we do is just repent and say, God, forgive me for not doing what you said. Isn't that what we want our children to do? Isn't that what we do to other people when we offend them? We say we're sorry. Well, and and then when we're sorry for real, because godly sorrow worketh repentance unto salvation. In other words, when we're sorry to God, that's what brings about a real change in our life. 
Are you sorry to God or are you just sorry that you got caught? <laughs> There's no condemnation. I'm just trying to put some thoughts on your mind so we can um, see Christ and, and uh, just turn and do things this way. There's no condemnation. We just repent. Say, God, I'm sorry. Forgive me. I'm going to go pray now. I'm going to turn off the TV. I'm going to go study now. Forgive me, Father. I don't know about you, but he's chastised me and I've been in tears. It crushed me in tears because I was sorry to God. He chastised those he loved because he's trying to protect us from the evil one. So now the day when you go in your word and you begin to read stuff and and if you come across where Jesus said things to the woman that was called an adulterer, go and sin no more. He wasn't saying it to be cruel to her or to condemn her. He was saying it because he loved her and he was just trying to protect her from something evil. And he's saying, no, don't come from a flee fornication, flee useful lust. He's not saying that because he don't like you or he don't love us. I was a chief fornicator. He's that's sex outside of marriage. He's not, he's not telling us not to do that because he don't like us. He's telling us not to do that because he loves us. I'm getting ready to have to get off because my time is almost over. But I'm going to see if I can finish this. Jonah 1. 1 and 15. It says, um, let me go back to Jonah 1, 14. Therefore, they cried out to the Lord and said, we pray, O Lord, please do not let us perish for this man's life. And do not charge us with innocent blood. For you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah. So they picked up Jonah and threw him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men uh, feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice to the Lord and took vows. Wow. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the well three days and three nights. Man, he was bent on doing what he wanted to do. You know, set your face like a flip, but make sure it's not set in a direction against God. Because stiff neck and rebellion, oh my goodness. Three days, it took him three days to cry out to the Lord. Three days? We can't talk because, you know, but I don't, that just shows the hardness of his heart. Because the first minute, the fact that you had to throw me over in this water, I believe I would want to be crying out while they throwing me over. Lord, help me. I'll go. But it took him. He was just so bent on doing what he wanted to do. Are you bent on doing what you want to do? Is your will keeping, is your won't keeping you from God's will? Because Jonah wanted to go to Tarnish. He didn't want to go to Nineveh. He didn't want to do what God said to And he was three days in the belly well. But Jonah told him in verse 12, he said to them, pick me up and throw me into the sea. Then the sea will become calm for you. For I know that this is great tempest is because of me. Nevertheless, verse 13, the men um, rode hard to return to land, but they could not for the sea continued to grow more temperous against them. Therefore, they cried out to the Lord. They didn't want to throw Jonah over. I had to go back because I know that part was supposed to be in there. They didn't want to throw him over. And they were still trying to get back to sea with him in there. How many of us need to throw some people over? And we still trying to hold on. And it's just all kinds of chaos. I want to I want to find that. I want to find that. I want to find that proverb. Who's, who's causing the, it says, uh, put those out who's causing the contention and strife and the contention and strife will leave. Put those out. Put those out who's causing the contention and the strife. We know that, right? If you put someone out who's causing contention and strife, the contention and strife is going to leave. And so that's what they had to do with Jonah. They had to put him out. 
Arrogance lead only to strife, but wisdom. I'm going to have to find that scripture. Where there is strife, there is pride, but wisdom is found in those who take advice. That's not the one I'm looking for. But there's a proverb that says if you put the one that's causing the contention and strife out, the contention and strife will leave. Which makes sense. If you if you uh, put the person, somebody come in your house starting with all the drama and you put them out, then the drama's going to leave, right? So they threw Jonah over. And when they did, God had a well prepared for him. Are you in the belly of the well because you won't surrender? I tell my husband, I say, honey, jail is like the belly of the well. Because anything that confines you, anything that holds you bondage, anything that holds you captive, anything to exercise. In other words, he had no longer had authority over his will. He, he was put in a place where he could no longer do what he wanted to do. He was, he was put in a situation where he could no longer do what he wanted to do. It was no longer about his wants. It was no longer about his will. He was in the belly of a well. Are you in the belly of the well because you're exercising what you want above what God wants? There's no condemnation because remember today is another day. And today we get to do what God say. And today, Father, we decide and we come into agreement with you that we don't want what we want. We want what you want. For Jesus said he is the way, the truth, and the life. And that when we follow after him, we will have eternal life. So, Lord, it's no longer about what I want because we're crucified with Christ. It's nevertheless we live, yet not I, but Christ just liveth in us. And sin no longer has dominion over us, you said. And we not we don't have to uh, give live in debt to our flesh. We're no longer in debt to our flesh. In other words, we don't have to we don't owe our flesh nothing. We're, we don't owe our flesh nothing. But to crucify it and say no to it. So next time our flesh wants, this is the challenge for today. And I'm getting ready to get off because my time is running out. The same way, the next time you go to discipline your children, look at your own life and say, I need to discipline my life. And, and you know, some of us, there's no condemnation, but I'm just trying to give us some tips so we can look at ourselves and, 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 and be in check and check ourselves because the flesh wants to run everything. It wants to rule everything like a spoiled brat kid and it wants to do what it wants to do and it, and it wants to say what it wants to say and because we say we grown. What does that mean? Jesus said, I don't need for you to see yourself as grown. I need to see yourself as a child and, and we need to see God as our Abba Father. And we need to understand, just like when we was a child, how we had to ask our parents for everything, that we still have to ask our Heavenly Father for everything. He said, lean not to your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge me and I'll direct your path. I want you, God wants us to acknowledge him. Just like we acknowledge our parents when we were kids. We're not grown. We have to see ourselves as a child and we have to come to him like he's our father. When we see ourselves as a child, then we can say things like, I'm a daddy's girl. We can say, good morning, Abba Father. I understand. I don't know about you, but the word of God is true and is real to me. It's not just a bunch of Bible stories because I have a relationship. We're talking about relationship, not religion, relationship, relationship, relationship. And the same way we spend time getting to know each other, we got to spend time getting to know our Heavenly Father. Because he said, you draw close to me and I'll draw close to you. If you confess me before men, I'll confess you before the Father. But if you deny me before men, I'll deny you before the Father. We we confess and deny Christ all the time by the way we live. There's no condemnation because guess what? Today is another good day. And I don't know what God is, what his mandate is for you. But he told Saul, he told Jonah to go to Nineveh. And eventually he did go. But I don't know what is God telling you to do today? He might not be telling us to do the same thing. I don't know what God is telling you to do, but I know what God is telling me to do. 
And I don't know about you, but I'm going to do what he say because I know that he, the Lord is my shepherd and he's going to lead me into green pastures. He's going to lead me beside the still water that he has good things in plan for me. And I'm going to have to end it here because my time is running out. But our prayer for today and my challenge today is the same way you chastise your children, the same way you discipline your grandchildren. Let's take a minute and a moment and a second today to discipline ourselves. And and the same way we tell our children no when it's not good for them. Let's say to our flesh, no, because not only is it not good for you, but it's against my